Well, I want to go back to something you said. It's been widely reported that there, um, prior to COVID, we were making significant progress in HAIs, that uh, we were having rapid reduction in hospital-acquired infections. And then, as you mentioned, it's been well-documented that post-COVID, we're seeing significant increases in hospital-acquired infections. We've really slipped back. You mentioned that you have data that correlates that to hand hygiene. Did I hear you correctly? Have you shown that hand hygiene has actually declined, um, which may be one of the contributing factors to the increased hospital-acquired infections? Yeah, so as you're also sharing here, hand hygiene is not the only contributing factor. Actually, it's a multimodal strategy that's the only thing that will work. And even that won't be 100%. But um, we, we have very clear data showing that hand hygiene have a significant impact on some hospital-acquired infections. It's not all of them that hands have an impact on, uh, but on some of the more serious ones, like when we're talking sepsis, for instance, hand hygiene have a very big impact on, on preventing them. Um, so we have clear data showing that from multiple fa facilities, and what we pride ourselves in that we partner with uh, university hospitals, they use our system, but they generate the data, they generate the research, and, and we help them in the publishing process of it. Um, but it's not us who's creating the material, it's really them that's doing it. And it's back again to the trust I mentioned in the beginning, that trust in that hand hygiene actually matters is, is something that we're trying to support. Because uh, believe it or not, it's not everyone who actually believes that hand hygiene is important. Well, the CDC disagrees with that. They think that it's the low-hanging fruit. And of course, that uh, seems to be the philosophy that's largely adopted, certainly in U.S. acute care. You mentioned it has to be a multimodality approach. We've actually seen some studies recently where uh, hand hygiene compliance has been uh, increased by measuring or by uh, having disinfection of devices near hand-washing stations. So uh, if, you, if you have uh, clean hands, that's fine, but it can be completely negated as soon as you touch a dirty device such as a cell phone. Some people have uh, speculated that cell phones now may be the most dangerous devices in healthcare because they're going to areas of the facility uh, that aren't normally uh, um, approached by other devices. And uh, as I said, we've seen some interesting data that by setting up disinfection stations for uh, for mobile devices near hand washing stations that we've been able to drive better hand washing compliance. Anything else that you have seen in your work that helps to drive the hand hygiene compliance uh, by focusing on uh, these other modalities? I'll say I think what's important is to understand that the bacteria, they don't travel by themselves. So they need some sort of transportation means, that being, you know, directly on the hands or on a phone that you carry or whatever it is, equipment that you that you uh, move around in the hospital. Um, I'd say when it comes to hand hygiene compliance, it's a cultural thing. Um, so one of the things that we help facilities understand is that hand hygiene compliance is not the same for everyone. It's It's really a team that is consistent almost always on some of some very low performers and some very high performers. And depending on what type of culture you have, if you have a culture of, of when we say psychological safety, that you are that you feel free to speak up and feel free to, for instance, tell one of your colleagues, oh, I think you missed uh, an opportunity to wash your hands there. Those kind of cultures in teams have a way higher compliance uh, than, than the others. 
And um, after being in a lot of different hospitals around, around the world, I can almost immediately feel when I step into a unit if they will have a good compliance or not. It sounds kind of weird, but I think a lot of IPC nurses and maybe even yourself have, can, can kind of read the atmosphere of, of where you're stepping in. So culture is everything when it comes to compliance with hand hygiene, but also other types of compliances. Any future development plans uh, around expanding the technology to some of the other modalities that you mentioned, or is the mission strictly focused on uh, hand hygiene moving forward and expanding that solution uh, into other markets? So we, we've been we've been focusing a lot of our time in Europe, building our base here, and um, that's kind of different from what's going on in the U.S. right now, where they've been a system like ours for for many years and uh, we are pretty much the only solution in in all of Europe today. Um, So what we've been focusing on lately is to broaden the the way of utilizing the data that the system is gathering to help solve more challenges. So our strategy right now is to look at the different markets we are in and see what kind of problems can the existing data gathered by the system also help uh, solve. And, and one of them that we that we started creating during COVID was, uh, was contact tracing. So basically trying to see who might have been in, in a situation where, they, they, where they've been uh, infected by either a coworker or, or another patient and help the IPC team find the chain between the infections as fast as possible. Uh, it's actually pretty, pretty... Uh, hard for them to find these connections today uh, and very time consuming. So often they actually have to give up because it's an impossible thing to do. Um, But because our system uh, through the hand hygiene data know who's been interacting with who, we can uh, within a second show them who have been in contact with who and who who do they need to reach out to to try and and stop the the outbreak. Explain the contact tracing a little bit more. It's using the data of the hand hygiene usage, or are you using a um, you know infrared contact tracing element? Uh, can you explain that? Yeah, so maybe I should start off explaining a little bit how the system works. So the the system is built for the WHO five moments for hand hygiene approach, which is uh, before and after patient contact, whereas the CDC guidelines are room entry exit. And the reason why is because there is a lot of hospitals in Europe that have multi-bed uh, patient rooms. So uh, if you want to prevent the infections from jumping between the patients inside the rooms, the healthcare workers need to sanitize in between patient contacts. Makes a lot of sense. Sure. Um, but this also means that we have data on not just if someone was in the room, but if someone was in with patient contact. So talking about contact tracing, uh, you know, just because you've been in a room with a patient doesn't mean that you've been infected with, a, with an infection. Um, but have you been in close proximity to the patient for a longer duration of time? Most of the infections uh, you, know, you can get infected with uh, in these situations. Um, and then what we know is we know where they travel from patient to patient, but also what other uh, healthcare workers have been in close proximity uh, to them, either by the patient or close to the uh, soap and alcohol dispensers that are placed around the uh, the unit. 
And how is that data managed? Is there a backend cloud app or how, how is that data managed by the practitioners? Yeah, so we have a, we call it an analytics. And in this analytics, we, we don't have a focus on needy, greedy, figuring out who was compliant, where and where not, because that's not really encouraging the uh, safety of the healthcare workers, nor it is encouraging the positive reinforcement. Uh, so instead, we are we are sharing the data with both the healthcare workers and the uh, the uh, charge nurses and whoever is is responsible for the hygiene in the units and the IPC teams in a way so they can take action on it. And when we're talking about action, we don't mean going down to the low performer and saying now you need to sanitize, because as I explained in the beginning, that is not driving improvement. So it's more understanding how can you change the culture of the team by making them understand where it is that they, as a team, needs to change their behavior. Well, I know that you're based in Copenhagen, Denmark. Where are these solutions deployed today? So we, even though we started off in uh, in Europe, we are the, the most widely used solution in, in the world today. Um, so we we are in most countries in Europe. Uh, we are in Asia. We are in the UAE, uh, and until recently, we we are now also in in the US. Um, and I think what's what's interesting in this context is that we really understand how culture impacts compliance, uh, because trust me, the the culture between. Uh, Singaporeans and Americans when it comes to hand hygiene compliance is quite different. Uh, also when it comes to, to Dutch and Germans. So understanding that not everyone is the same is, is just very unique when you're trying to change behavior. So um, these products, now, the first time we spoke, you were uh, not yet in the US, but now you've expanded into the United States market. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. We um, so we had the opportunity to uh, get our first hospital uh, installed in Connecticut. Uh, actually, installed last month. Uh, it's always uh, interesting to see how it goes when you deploy something in a completely new country, uh, completely new continent. Um, and uh, it went very well. It was really interesting to get the feedback from the staff. Uh, I was uh, I was a part of the installation myself. Uh, so kind of listening and hearing that, you know, their thoughts are not that different from what we hear in, in other countries and uh, and that we can kind of use the learnings that we have from, from Europe when we uh, deploy in uh, the U.S. as well. And uh, can you share with us future plans for Santa Nudge, uh, future development plans, expansion plans? What What can we look forward to? Yeah, so what we're doing now is that the, um, the hospital that we installed at and the, the other hospitals that we will soon deploy at, we, we all agreed with them that they will help us uh, design new solutions using the, using the same data. So some of the things that I hear when I talk with them is, for instance, uh, automated nurse rounding solutions uh, and asset tracking. So that those are some of the things we already have the data in the platform. So it's just about... Uh, displaying the data to them in a meaningful way so they can, you know, improve their operations uh, and their efficiency. And, and our strategy in the end is to uh, improve the safety of patients and healthcare workers. So that's also the focus when we develop new solutions, that they need to contribute to not just the profits of the hospital, but uh, eventually the, uh, the safety of, of the staff and the patients. 
Well, your mission is to improve hospital-acquired infections and healthcare outcomes. Uh, through your experience with Santa Nudge, uh, I'm sure you've uh, been exposed to uh, a lot of information, a lot of data. Based on what you know today, if you could wave a magic wand and change anything to improve uh, hospital-acquired infection outcomes, what would you do? Yeah, something that I think we've really learned over the last seven years is that change doesn't happen by itself. Um, so I, I think it's really great what the leapfrog is doing now in the U.S., trying to um, incentivize hospitals to, to take in technologies. I think a lot of countries around the world could actually learn a lot from this. So I think if I could, if I could do that, I would, I would uh, take what leapfrog is doing now and deploy in, uh, in the rest of the world. I, I think it's great that you mentioned Leapfrog. Um, I think most of our viewers are familiar with Leapfrog, or an independent rating system for U.S. hospitals. And of course, they just released their latest report. And the big focus is infection prevention, uh, confirming what we know that hospital-acquired infections have, in some cases, increased dramatically post-COVID. And um, you know, the, I believe the data is from Leapfrog that you're 90% more likely to die in a D or an F hospital rather than an A-rated hospital from the Leapfrog system. So I agree with you. It's great to have that kind of third-party independent data uh, that has some teeth to it as well. Uh, so uh, good to keep people in compliance and keep the public in the know of uh, who are who's doing things right and uh, who could use improvement. Um, so if people want to find out more about Santa Nudge, uh, where should they go? Yeah, so you can you can go to our website, which is sandynudge.com. Uh, we'll also be at APIC uh, next month. So uh, you can also come and visit us there uh, where they can also visit you, I, I imagine. That's right. We're, uh, well, uh, Seal Shield's headquartered in Orlando and Apex going to be in Orlando this year. So it's a home game for us. We don't have to travel as far as you do, but I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Our guest today has been Tyus Jensen. He's the CEO and co-founder of Santa Nudge. Tyus, thank you so much for being on Clean Talk today. Until next time, I'm your host, Brad Whitchurch, reminding you to keep it clean. <laughs>